Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Good morning. Thank you for spending your Saturday morning with the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Shalaus, Ton Bettis with you. We are taking your calls, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. Sheila's been waiting very patiently in Salem. Good morning, Sheila. How can we help you? Good morning. Yes, thank you for taking my call. Um, I contacted you, I think, last week or maybe the week before I asked about October Glory, planting them over a six-inch irrigation line. And uh, your answer was, uh, the first part was you didn't like October Glory. Um, You said that they weren't going to, they struggle, I guess, in our soil here in Utah. Um, And then secondly, you said to just plant them about 10 to 15 feet away from the irrigation line. So my thoughts are, um, if I just go with a smaller tree, like a prairie fire crab apple or the Cleveland pear, would that make a difference? How close do you want to plant to the pipes again? Well, I'm not exactly sure where it runs, and so it could be directly above it. Um, I could try and plant it 10 to 15 feet away, but it may not be that far because I'm not yeah. exactly sure yeah. where it runs. I just have a general idea. Yeah. With the October Glory maple you know, in Salem, especially if you're up on the bench, they have a better chance of taking than, um, than in the valley. This is actually but... for our farm out okay. in West Mountain. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, and so you're, I think you're on the right track. And as far as the crab mm-hmm. apples, the uh, prayer fire would be fine. There's another one called Royal Raindrops that holds its color better and has far less fruit. And so unless you're planning on like collecting crab apples to process into jellies and things, the Royal Raindrops, if you can find it, is very similar and even a little smaller. It grows a little more slowly, but it would be a great option too and far less likely to heave the pipes or crack them. Did you have blue steaks come out? Um, we don't. It's a farm, okay. and so we're kind of up off of away from any utilities, although we do have utilities to the house, but the power's overhead, and then we have just irrigation lines everywhere. Okay. So we don't, that's why I'm saying I don't know exactly where the irrigation line is. I just have yeah. a general. So when you're digging, um, you know, if you're going to be using a tractor, I would be super careful you know, hand digging even then, you know, one 
hit from a shovel, if you jump on the shovel, can crack that kind of pipe. So I would just be cautious when you plant, if you're using an excavator, to just go slow and careful, or if you're using yeah. a hand shovel even. Um, but yeah, the Royal Raindrops or Prairie Fire would do just fine, as long as they had sufficient irrigation. Okay, what about the Cleveland pear? Are they, I mean, are they I, small enough there? Just on principle... Cleveland, the, the, the calorie pears, which Cleveland pear is a part of the calorie pear group, are uh-huh. being banned nationally because they've become such a pest. They are taking over forests and things. And Utah, we're so dry that they haven't become a problem here, but they're also so overplanted that I would encourage you to go with hawthorns or the crab apples just because there aren't as many around and in some ways there's less of a chance of getting diseases into them as something that like entire subdivisions filled with these Cleveland pears. So you can, and it would be okay, but it's just one of those things that someone that's been in the nursery and the green industry going on, you know, 30 years at least that, I just, those calorie pairs are one that I can't get excited about. Yeah. Well, I guess my reason for that was I wanted to have the white blossoms, every other one with the red blossoms, with the crab apple. Oh, that would be easy. So, um, there are white it, blossoming crab apples you could use. Or, okay. um, you know, many other, like hawthorns are white blossoming. To get them at the same time, you would probably want to go with like a spring snow crab apple. Okay. And you could go white, red, white, red with them. Okay. That's a good idea. Uh, the hawthorns, are they just as small so they wouldn't They really are. They're one, they do get some fruit on them. The fruit sticks to the tree, but they're just very durable trees. And so if you did something like a Toba or a Washington Hawthorne, you could look at those. The Washington gets a pretty nice orangey fall color to them. Okay. That would be great, too. If I know the crab apples don't really turn. I mean, they turn yellow, I believe. Yeah. And then the thing with... The, with you being so near so many orchards out there, the farmers themselves would appreciate you using something like hawthorns because they're almost immune. At least Washington hawthorn is almost immune to fire blight. The crab apples I've talked about are resistant to fire blight. And the lack of fruit, say, on the spring snow is fruitless. The... Um, Wow, which one? So I was just telling you, the prairie fire has a lot of fruit, but then the royal raindrops is almost fruitless, and so they wouldn't act as a sink for pests that would just then get into the orchards. And so, like yeah. I said, the pears would be okay, and if you want to, you can. And it's just me being on my soapbox that oh, they're so common, and you know this yeah. and that and the other, and so. But you can make your decisions. But if you want something white blossoming. The I think your best option would either be Merrill Lee crab apple or spring snow crab apple. Okay. Because they're going to okay. bloom closer to the time as the red crab apples. If you put in hawthorns, they'll be two or three weeks later. Oh, gotcha. Okay. 
all right, well, I, and, and then the irrigation line is about four feet down. So you should um, be okay. 90% of tree roots stay in the top two feet of soil. Okay. It's a misnomer that you have a mirror image of the tree underground. It's uh-huh. the, in the top two feeds where all the nutrients and water is. And yeah. so, you know, with that, you know, you will send down some anchoring roots, but if it's that deep, the worst thing that's going to happen is if you spring a leak on your pipe, you'll maybe tear out tree roots or some trees to get to the pipe. Yeah. Is that the case with maples too? Absolutely. And the maples okay. would be worse as far as their yeah. size and likelihood to heave the pipe. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's been very helpful. I appreciate it. Thanks All right, so much. Sheila. Thanks so much for your call today. Ton Nexusner says, has the drought and heat of this last summer caused so many trees to hold on to their leaves? No. It's uh, unless they were already dead that didn't cause it. It was that we were in the sixties and seventies. The trees hadn't started to, to change. And then we dropped into the thirties and forties. Just the dramatic that change sudden in change mm. is what's caused it because normally those trees will transition in the nineties, the eighties, the seventies, you know, sixties, fifties. And we have a more gradual change and that sudden drastic change is what stopped them from dropping. And our next listener says, is now or spring better to transplant small trees, one inch in diameter, a few feet tall? Either or is fine. Just make sure you get all the root ball that you can to move them. Okay. But now would be just as good as spring, huh? It would. They're dormant and it doesn't matter to them. And so anytime between late October and early to mid-March, you can move trees. Okay. Number to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning. Thank you for joining us for the KSL Greenhouse. Maria Anton with you this morning. You can call us right now. Phone lines are open 801-575-8255. You can also text us your questions at 57500. Last week, Ton, you talked a lot about getting our our lawnmowers and our power tools pretty much ready for winter. Well, we had a question on our KSL Greenhouse Facebook page uh, from a woman who says, hey, but my tools mostly are battery powered. How do I get them ready for winter? Refer to your owner's manual, manual because those batteries should not sit all winter uncharged, but you may also do damage to them leaving them on the charger. And so it's going to be manufacturer specific. I know for say a vehicle or what we call a lead acid battery that you'd see on a motorcycle or a tractor, mm-hmm. 
those you can leave on a trickle charger all winter and that will maintain them. Otherwise you have to do something to either charge or start the vehicle to recharge the battery. So it doesn't get ruined over the winter on these other batteries to where they are made and manufactured differently. Just refer to the owner's manual because I bet it will say to either leave them on a charger so that they'll, Uh, do a maintenance charge or to periodically charge them through the winter. Okay. Uh, Next question is if you have a big, huge peony, your favorite plant in the yard to transplant is now a good time or should you wait till spring? Now is fine. It's probably not going to rebloom for a year or two, but now is fine. And you'll just dig around the edges of it and down and just get as much as a, of it as you can mm-hmm. and just move it. So what if I don't have a place to put it? If you don't have a place to put it, then what I would because do... we're ripping up the whole yard, right? ...is get <laughs> a big bucket a bit that's at least sure. six inches wider and deeper mm-hmm. than the peony, put potting soil on the bottom and around the sides... And then put it in my garage or an unheated shed and just make sure that it stays watered. And then it may root out into that pot. And what you can do, let's say you can't replant it for a season. Mm -hmm. Then if you can't pull it out of the bucket, you would cut the bucket away from the root ball with a razor knife that's really sharp. So you don't damage it. A utility knife. And then just slide it into a new hole after you've cut the bucket off. All right. We have calls coming in now. We have Craig in Alpine. Good morning, Craig. What is your question? Yes, uh, I've got uh, in a gully in my backyard just a bunch of scrub oaks, but there's been a, a real ponderance of wild raspberries growing. How can I, what can I spray on those things? Well, you need to be a little careful so you don't get other desirable plants, but raspberries have a uh, very fibrous root system and they're colonizing as you found out. And so you would almost be as far ahead to cut them and dab each stem with just a little bit of concentrated roundup. Okay. I mean, there's some brush killers you could use, but the brush killers may drift and you don't want to get those on the oaks. So um, normally, if I mean, if it's just somebody's raspberries that escaped, if it were a native, I'm like, oh, man. But, you know, if they're in the way and you're trying to use the area, that sort of thing would work. But I would just use cut them and just dab concentrated Roundup on every stump. Okay. And if I wanted to spray them with something, what would I use? For I'm that? hesitant because I don't want you getting spray on other things, but yeah. Roundup maybe. But I think if you tried Roundup, you'd have to spray six or seven times to actually get rid of them. I mean, this is going to be more of a challenge than you imagine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right, Craig, thanks for your call this morning. Kirk is in Centerville this morning. Good morning, Kirk. How do we help you this morning? Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, we have a corner piece of our property that's been, uh, it's wet all of the time, so it's got some springs that are underneath it. And we put some drains in to take that water out. But as we were putting in the drains, there's a lot of organic material as you cut through it. Uh, you can almost pull it out like a brick. And it's got um, a lot of marsh plants, uh, some that are tall and thin. They're growing. I wondered if there's things we, other than drying it out, that we need to do to control the the growth that's underneath. What do you mean control the growth that's underneath? 
And we're just worried when we put in garden or grass uh, that those plants will still come grow up through. They will. And I wondered if there's, mm-hmm, is there something we can do before that would help uh, prevent that? Or do we need to wait until we've got it in and then just Well, I, I would get those French drains in or whatever drains you're using. Um, in the area, sometimes... You know, if you had space, a great big willow tree would actually probably dry the area out significantly because they use so mm-hmm. much water, but you probably don't have room for that. And I'm I'm a little hesitant on willows just because they if you don't have room, they can be a little bit problematic as far as dropping branches and things and being really so shady that nothing grows underneath them. And so you might be able to get some moderately sized willows, something like blue arctic willows or flame willows that will stay smaller if you have room that may help dry it out. But, yeah, there's not really, short of raising elevation, um, having those drains in, I, I think that you are correct in getting things in there to drain the water away. Okay. Yeah, we're a little hesitant on the willows instead of going to get those east winds, and they're not the strongest trees. Yeah, and so I like the blue arctic willows. Mm-hmm. You can even get dwarf arctic, which are going to get six, eight feet tall, and the winds aren't going to impact them nearly as much as it would a tree because they're bushes. And so oh, they okay. don't have as much of a tendency to spread by root runners as other willows. And so I'm not saying they won't. And that's if you have room, you could maybe use them as a border, almost like a hedge plant in that area. So as a screen or something, but because it's wet, there are those willows. If you put in five or six of them, it may help somewhat. Okay. That's a good suggestion. Thank you. You're welcome. All right, Kirk. Thanks so much for your call this morning. I'm going to live dangerously and try to get to Brent here before the top of the hour news. Good morning, Brent. What is your question this morning? I just uh, I took out my uh, grass uh, a couple of years ago, actually, and uh, I'm just trying to get rid of all the weeds. Uh, is it better to spray for them in the spring or in the fall or what? What should I do? Both. It just depends on the particular weeds. If they're perennial weeds like bindweed, or white top, the fall is better, but if they're annual weeds, the spring is fine too. So you may actually need to spray multiple times because the life cycle of the weeds differs. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, okay. That, that should be good. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, Brent. Thanks so much for your call this morning. That was an easy answer for you. Yeah. I think a lot of times we don't know which ones are perennial, and I hate it. I hate knowing that bindweed is perennial. I knew yeah, that, of course, because come it back comes back year, year after, after year, year after year. Yeah. But the seed-grown weeds, uh, if we were, if you could do it, a, you know, by using a torch, not necessarily recommending that. Light cultivation, a pre-emergent, those are more easily eliminated. And the perennial weeds, like the white top, the bindweed, common mallow are the ones that are best sprayed, in the, usually in the fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, my neighbor has this kind of succulent thing that, um, I don't know exactly what it is, but he claims that it's poisonous, and then the only way to get rid of it is to burn it, so to use a torch. Is that right? Maybe. It depends on what it is. It, if it were in the spring and it's burr buttercup... Those are actually poisonous, and when they start to germinate, because the soil's moist and we're cool, a weed torch is 
great for Burr Buttercup in garden areas. I'm thinking that might be what it is. Because when you go out there, if you're barefoot trying to work in your garden, mm-hmm. there, I mean, there's the puncture vine and then Burr Buttercup. And those Burr Buttercup are more like Velcro. And when they stick in you, they've got a little barb or hook on the end and they're harder to get out. And they're miserable. And so burning them, I would just, I would probably go have a picnic while he was doing it for the joy of it. Watching burn. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's one other weed called sand burr that does that That too, but it's pretty uncommon. All right. We need to take a break for the top of the hour news. Number for you to call with your questions, 801-575-8255. You can text us at 57500. When we come back, we are talking poinsettias with Brian Lloyd from Olson's Greenhouse. So stay with us. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts. 